0: Welcome to the Tri Games Podcast. <laughs>
1: This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is
2: Trav.
0: This is Amber.
2: Welcome to the Tri Tac Gains Podcast, your podcast of finding yourself a man or a woman without a country, but having the balls to go out there and get it back. (laughs) (laughs) We're taking it back, man. We're getting the. That's right.
3: Represent. So this is the the Red Dawn episode of uh, Fringeworthy.
2: Indeed it is, Peter. This is a follow-up to our other show, We've Lost Earth, mm-hmm. where we posited what would happen to a fringe team and other Fringeworthy people if suddenly Earth was lost, either through a destruction of the portal on its platform, possibly the entire node itself, or if some external group came in and took it over, and therefore kept access to Earth Prime. Where would they go? What would they do? So this is a kind of a follow-up with that, because in this particular case, we're saying Earth can be gotten back. Yep. It's that latter possibility where it's been taken over by a group that is controlling Earth or is doing something terrible to Earth, which is keeping the fringe-worthy from getting access to it, at least initially, and they have to go then and figure out how to mount an offensive To come back and take Earth back. We're going to break this into three parts. It's the same way we've been talking about Fringeworthy campaigns as the early campaign, the middle campaign, and the late campaign. With its attendant differences in technology, knowledge, and resources. We're going to start off with the early campaign. We don't know your campaign. We don't know what you've been doing in your campaign. So we can't really give you the best advice because who knows what new worlds and new alliances you might have created. So we're just going to have to fall back to the information that we have in the, the published fringe-worthy materials. In that case, the best choice for somebody to have taken over the Earth is fringe pirates, Yep. a rather massive group of well-organized fringe pirates Find out that Earth is exploring the, the fringe portals and they're not willing to play ball with them, and they decide to come in and take over and just shut down this thorn in their side, this eye death, this group of people that is trying to tell all these other fringe worlds that are fragmented and acting alone that they should act in unison as a new commonwealth, perhaps, and form a threat to that fringe pirate society, or at least that fringe pirate alliance. So they've come in, they've taken over, and we're going to talk about what that means, what that would look like, and possible ways that they you know, might have done certain things. So I guess the first thing we have to talk about is they, they're coming to Earth. What would they look like? You know, what kind of force would they come in with to take over the Earth Prime platform and possibly Hatsumi base?
1: I just recently saw the movie, The Pirates of the Caribbean, The Last of the Trilogy, where they had this ragtag bunch of pirates, basically. I mean, of all sorts and types and, and kinds. You're not going to see a regular infantry. You're going to see a bunch of individualists working in groups. There are normal raiding groups showing up under a pirate king. It's a group that is going to be hard to control, but the goal is to, is to go through wherever portals are available and get a beachhead. And then hopefully they have some sort of fringe doohickey, a device, a commonwealth device of some sort that allows them to be invulnerable to attack at that point. And they can just walk up and take out armies without worrying about being attacked.
2: Uh, just to take the platform, they wouldn't need something that made them invulnerable.
1: They have the platform itself. When I see the prime platform, as you pointed out, they can simply bombard what's there on the other side. Uh, clear a path for them to send troops in to secure the other side so then they can then move on through and then secure the rest of the base or whatever's on the other side.
2: In the early days, Earth doesn't know very much about how fringe space works and the various protections that are out there. In my campaign, I always had them traveling around in armored personnel carriers with 22 millimeter cannons on them and, you know, assault machine guns, pretty much like a tank but with wheels. That's why I say armored personnel carriers. And those things are pretty much white clean, anything that comes up in front of them, because all that's out there is a few fringeworthy who might be in a Moscovy, which doesn't have any real armament on it, and more likely is driving around in a Hummer, which has even
1: less armament on yep. it. A machine gun versus a, a cannon is going to lose. I've been thinking about this. A standard pirate tactic, every time they enter a platform, the pathways, they leave behind a little weight with a cable attached onto it that's attached to a reel on the back of their vehicle. So they're attached and still transiting, so to speak, through the portal.
4: So if somebody shoots at them, the automatic defense system kicks in.
1: Yeah, it does the shooting for them.
4: I like that. <laughs> boom, boom,
1: boom! After getting close to the other they're in the pathway, they fire these strange-looking harpoons through the portal because... Yeah, because they have reels on them, and basically they pay back the cable. No matter which way they're going, they're transiting through a portal, even if they're heading toward one. They can get a hit on the portal, they can basically become transiting through that portal, and anytime you shoot at them, you get shot in the back by the portal.
4: That's a whole right. new meaning. <laughs> well, yeah, see, the French pirates, they've been out on the paths, Amber, far longer than IDET is, even before the Victorians, and the Victorians found the French paths six what, six months before I did? These fringe pirates have been doing this for a long time. They've learned ways to use the transit system. Well, to use it to their benefit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I imagine so. The fringe pirates have home court advantage, essentially.
1: Okay, the fringe pirates, they lob a few rounds through the portal onto Earth Prime. Then they throw a ball through attached to a string. And then they have a big old metal plate set up so they can stand behind it while you return fire.
2: I mean how Sumi base returns fire? yeah. Why would there be anything left at that point? They're firing rounds into a building that's mostly enclosed. The overpressure would kill everybody in the building.
1: Yes, but after that's done, there's probably, they probably still send troops down. Okay. I imagine there's troops stationed down there. So yes, the building gets hit. They come running up. They pull out their RPGs or whatever, and they start shooting through the portal. Well, no, I wouldn't do any good because it goes right through the portal. It has to be fringe really shooting back. You're right. It doesn't matter unless you have fringe really shooting back. He was just sitting there waiting for something to come through at that point.
2: Let's say they actually did have some gun emplacements. You go and throw a cable with a hook on to attach it to it, take the other end, throw it through the portal. Now the portal is yanking that gun emplacement off of its moorings, dragging it across and, and dragging it onto the fringe path that you would control. Yeah, You could even bring the building down or any structures that they may have out there. The biggest problem I would see would be just getting through that tunnel up to the surface and then getting out. Much like our con adventure of Mellor Escape from Hatsumi Base, they need to get out in order to get the most control. I think that they would have to figure out some way of maybe just busting free of the of the tube before it actually hits the Hasumi Base and something. But I mean, it's, that's the biggest thing is getting through that way. If it's a little later in the campaign, or since they have their own crystals, they decide instead of going through Hatsumi Base, hey, let's open up the uh, Richardson uh, portal, or let's open up the Siberian portal, or hey... Bahamas. Well, the Bahamas one is under control. Or not, they blew up the cavern that the portal was in, but that just means there's another portal somewhere else. If I was the French pirates, I wouldn't even try to take Hatsumi base more than just keep it contained. I would go through the other portals, just start mounting a serious offensive in the Richardson mountains and in the uh, Russian mountains. Yeah, in Siberia.
3: They show up with a higher level crystal, which is highly likely because you know they've been out there a lot longer. We're talking early campaign. So what they do is they establish one beachhead and close down all the other ones. So it doesn't matter what they do on the other side. It doesn't matter what other stations there are because they might as well just not exist at all.
4: The crystals can have different levels. There's 11 of them. uh, Rainbow crystals are the highest and the most rare. There are also two. uh, There's a black and orange. I believe the black allows you to pop from portal to portal. And the orange crystals allow you to operate termelard machinery. Yeah. Right. Huh, learn something
1: every day. If, if there's any campaign, you may, your highest crystal maybe a white crystal. For all you know, for all we know. If
3: that, yeah. Let's say they have like a light blue crystal, which, if I remember correctly, is pretty far up there, but not out of the not out of the realm of possibility.
1: They don't need a high level crystal. Is even higher than what you got.
3: Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, a, it's, it's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. So
2: they lock down the Hatsumi base portal, and then they open up the one to Richardson and Siberia, and nobody knows where those portals are. Right. Yep. Yeah because they've been locked down. So they're out there in the middle of, of nowhere, creating a beachhead. I mean, bringing in all kinds of machinery, bringing in missile launchers, bringing in, I don't know, uh, bioweapons. They could do whatever they want to, because they know that if you freeze it cryogenically enough, like the negative 200 degrees, that you can bring through Ebola viruses by the truckload, and it's going to survive the transit through the portal, which-
4: I was just gonna say that you couldn't bring bio weapons unless you did that because it would, you know, it would wipe the bacteria. Yeah,
1: right. But it's not hard to do once you know what to do.
2: Yeah,
1: they find Superflu Earth where the, the Superflu wiped out everything. Is make sure they bring along a couple of deeply frozen dead cats to throw around when they when they get on the other side.
4: Or even yeah, Rogue Four Seventeen. Yeah, the, that. one.
1: That too. Yeah. There's another way of doing it as well. Instead of being violent and, and, doing th- and doing that stuff, they do the Trojan horse method. Oh, we're just one big happy bunch of traders. We come to trade with you folks, you know, and so forth. And, and you know what? In the early years, I just said, sure, come on in. Come on in. We want to talk with you guys. Come come see this. Come see that. Once you get to enough positions, hi, we're not, we're not traders. We're raiders. And you just let us into your base. Thank you. One of the things that we've got to
3: take into consideration because we, we talked about this pre-show is that they're not just taking over these stations, OK? They're, the, the, what we're talking about is taking the Earth back. So they're actually conquering Earth. Yes. What, six billion people. So they're, they're taking over six billion people.
2: They might be killing four billion of them.
3: No, but no, I'm not saying killing 6 billion.
2: I'm saying... Why not? Well... When I say they took over Earth, it doesn't mean that they're not going to get rid of any threat of the, someone going against well, them. Well,
3: I understand. I'm, t- I'm just trying to set the stage. Hold on. I'm just trying to set the stage that right. when they come through, they got to be coming through with something serious. Either they're coming in super huge numbers or they're coming with some kind of technology or some kind of of weapon that sets them above taking on 6 billion people with nuclear weapons.
4: Which would probably be, have to be a Termellan weapon of organic technology in order to get it through the portal, and it will operate as soon as they transit.
1: Or some bit of Commonwealth weaponry. You know, you remember the Commonwealth worlds developed a lot of weapons during the war. They may have actually gotten a hold of one of these Uber weapons. And
4: when I meant Termeller and I also meant Commonwealth. All of them together, they would have, because the Termellan didn't do weaponry. I, I meant Commonwealth. I apologize for the discrepancy.
3: Perhaps they know some uh, portal trick. Like, what if uh, there is some way? Because th- we don't give everything out that that, that you can do with portals. And, and this is not anything I know of. I'm just thinking that it's something that could be done, uh, conceivably, considering the technology level. But what if you could have every portal on the planet emit a massive EMP burst? Ooh, that would be something that would you know that could black out the. Mind you, that's something you got to allow the portals to do. Uh, that, that we've never said that they can do and we're not saying they can do it now, but it's something you could use as a as a trope.
1: Normal portals, normal ring stations doesn't do it. You have to have a damaged or or a damaged ring station. Ooh. Rabina Sansi in Libya. Yeah, Libya. There you have a damage portal. They may actually be able to do something with that. <laughs>
4: Stunt you and light you on fire as you go through, yeah.
1: Yeah, they might be able to do something with that. Like you said, do a massive EMP effect that basically wipes out all active le- electronics. And unfortunately, half the Soviet Union would still be active because they're not—they they're using electronics which are fairly EMP safe. Shielded, yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, If you're using vacuum tubes, you're pretty much shielded against EMP. Yeah, that's true. All right, but I, I think that unless we
2: radically change what we're saying about Fringe Pirates... You know, they're not going to be showing up in you know a, a million-man army. They're going to be showing up at the most a 1,000 people. They have two choices. Either they come in and they lock down all our portals with the highest-level crystal they have and say, okay, fine, you're out of the picture now, and then put a, a guarding people on the platforms, a couple platforms out to make sure that nobody comes and takes it back, or they pacify the Earth by using whatever method is necessary in order to pacify the Earth. And I'm pretty much... Unless we're hypothesizing some really super high tech, probably it's going to be a bioweapon, possibly a lot
1: of EMPs. And by the time Earth kind of sorts itself out. Don't you read the comic books, Bruce? They show up with a telepathic enhancement helmet and just basically take over the Earth telepathically. (laughs) Wow.
2: Uh Well, again, that's, that's something you could do if you want to introduce that into your game. I mean, that's up to the GM to do. I'm just saying, just operating based upon the available technology that's we know about. I mean, I, I looked over, like, a lot of these portals. I mean, look at the portal system, and 95, 90, maybe 99% of these portals are guys in the Middle Ages or earlier. Yep. Earth Prime is one of the highest tech worlds that are out there as far as I have been see. I mean, there's a, an occasional planet run by grays there's a couple starports, but almost all of them are in you
1: know the 1970s or way earlier. Yeah, and the, the Timelan worlds are far and in, in, far in between, where you actually would find some interesting stuff to play with.
2: But it's so high-tech as to be magic.
3: Some worlds can have magic. Uh, I don't know if Earth Prime, if you're going to allow it to be on Earth Prime or not. No. Well, let's say it isn't.
2: But we do allow Psy. And there's the one world out there... That uses psi posing as magic.
1: Though I can just see this because we did, we did say it lasts for how, how how long again? Sixteen hours, something like that. Well, that's where I was trying to go with that. Oh, I'm sorry,
3: Peter. Go ahead. I was going to say you could have a guy uh, if they you know these guys know what they're doing. they they they're, they're, they're well trained. They find a magic world close enough. Uh, and that guy, and they, let's say they know how to use the the portals to teleport. They don't have to travel the platforms. So this guy steps out of a magic world.
1: Or they can call the French train. Or,
3: Or they call the French train, whatever. So the guy steps, you know, he steps in, he's still got his magic abilities, and he casts some kind of crazy, wicked magic spell that, uh, you know, shuts everything. All
1: he needs is a wish. You word the wish, right? You own the world. Yeah.
3: Sure. You know, I wish for a solar flare. I wish for a solar flare big enough to wipe out all electronics on Earth.
2: I wish everybody forgets that there was a fringe path.
3: Now oh, there you go. Oh,
2: wow. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to be crawling down into that ice fissure
1: next? Yeah. Nobody. Of course, everyone down there is going, what's this?
0: That kind of reminds me. I, I don't remember what movie it was, but I remember seeing some movie where this kid got this magical power where every time he said the phrase, what if whatever he said would happen and then he said what if I lose my powers
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah league win story which was made into at least two two movies uh like, oh the Lay of heaven yes the Lay of heaven that's also based on something like that too you, you, get, you get a person like him around who can actually physically change reality yeah, but that's a, that's something else. I, that's actually would be outside of our, what we're talking about right now. But yeah, you just they had maybe tangent to that too. Right.
2: But I think if they had somebody like that, that person, considering again, we're talking about fringe pirates. Yes, you don't normally run into somebody who has that kind of power. So they would probably have gone some wor- to some world and gotten that guy and brought or, or girl. Hey, let's not be sexist. Uh, and brought that person over to Earth Prime to do the big whammy, and then they would leave and they're dealing with whatever's the aftermath, whatever they've set off and done. Because ultimately, what they're trying to do is remove the threat of Earth Prime messing with their business, and of course, make a nice spot for them to go and come in every once in a while and, and rape and pillage. Because they're pirates, after all.
4: Yeah, pirates, when they do that type of stuff, they want nearby posts. They want to be, as the saying says, in and out like a duck mating. They want to get in, get that, get-backs before anybody comes after them. They get to the print one, or they can't be touched.
2: Well, then they're going to
1: have to take over the, the Bahamas one. Actually, no, the Japanese one, because the Japanese one, the actual ring station is in the trench, underwater. But the portal, the the, the, the warp, is up on the Japanese mainland. Japan's the place you want to go to raid, because if you're anywhere near Tokyo, hey, you know... <laughs> Why wouldn't they just take over Easter Island?
2: There's nothing there!
1: But a bunch of statues!
4: <laughs> All right, and also they would be meeting a very armed force with the Chileans there. Yeah, <laughs> armed for bear, because that is basically an armed camp now. That Easter Island base, they'll get in there, and it's like, oh yeah, we're coming to uh, conquer this planet in just nine thousand guns. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well,
2: that's why I said they would go through the portals that weren't already currently open. Nobody would be expecting them to be coming through those, and then that would just give them just a wide-open shot to go and do whatever they wanted to do. And after they you know, basically destroyed us, then they'd just have to keep a small force to make sure that nobody found the portal or tried to use it again, and they could go about their business. So leaving the few fringeworthy people who are still out there, and possibly still on the world, trying to get some way of, of winning it back.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a crapshoot, because they don't know where each portal leaves. Isn't the Ravina Sea portal the 11 o'clock portal?
2: Wherever they go through is probably not going to be someplace where there's a lot of people, and so they, they go through, they set up camp, they, they make their plans coolly against us, and they destroy us, because we're not going to see it coming.
1: Yep, and if they do have a higher level key, which they will need to have to actually open those portals up, the pie going close down Hatsumi, close down Easter Island. Also, they are going. Why can't we get in? What's going on? We don't know. Oh. Well,
4: the whole thing with the portals is that as time
1: goes on, even in the early
4: campaign, there's going to be armed camps at the Hatsumi portal and at the Easter Island portal. When you get on that prime platform, there's going to be already
1: checkpoints.
4: They're going to know, gee, those two portals lead somewhere. Let's take them out
1: and lock them down. You'll see checkpoints after your first pirate encounter. They'll start realizing they need to put people out there to, to guard. But if you're talking in the first five years, there's not enough people to put checkpoints out.
4: Yeah, that's true, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but the point is they'll be active. Yes, there'll be people going back and forth. No, the portals
2: themselves will be active. And if they're active... They're probably not portals that they want to use because they'll expect there'll be people on the other side guarding them. It's the ones that aren't active or are the ones they're going to want to use. So they'll lock down the active ones, they'll unlock the, the inactive ones, and they'll go through and do
1: their thing. I can see it now, though. The guards in Hatsumi are staying there in their bio suits because they're still f- freaked out about the you know, potential for contamination, and out walks a pirate. Oh, hi there. I hey, Just come out and look and see what's going on. You guys got big guns. Okay, bye. And walks back through again. And <laughs> because really, you, you have to get intel. If you don't know what's on the other side, you really don't know what's available and what can come. So, yeah, it, they'll, still, wa- they'll still, still send someone through just to see what's there. And then they walk right back. Maybe, maybe. I mean,
2: it doesn't really matter. I think it'd be better if all of a sudden the portals just stopped working. Because then they don't know what happened. They, they're thrown into a tizzy, but they're still not alerted that much. All of a sudden, the portal stopped working. So what could that mean? And so they proceed to start testing the portal, and there's you know, news people come to the portal and all this stuff. And meanwhile, in the other portals that are now open, people are doing things and nobody's watching. They're, everyone's diverted attention to the ones that are no longer operating. If, yeah. At which point, then they could plan their attack or simultaneously open the other portals when every important scientist in the world is now clustered around those portals trying to figure out why they're not working, that's when you basically fire all those cannons through the portal, killing everybody in the nearby vicinity.
1: You fire canister shot, you fire exploding fragmentation rounds, stuff like that.
2: Right, and so uh, all your best experts, all the people that have the most knowledge about the fringe paths and everything else, and all your fringe-worthy
1: will probably be there,
2: trying to figure out why this thing won't work, and they're all dead now. Or
1: wounded, or you know, yeah, whatever. It's 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 not going to be happy at times.
2: You throw enough explosives through, you're not really worried about who's wounded. There are not going to be any wounded.
1: Actually, if you just throw one fuel-air uh, explosive through, it probably take care take care of everything on the side. <laughs> Possibly.
2: Okay, so they've gone through. They've destroyed the Earth as far as any kind of a threat. Because these are pirates, they don't want to keep it. We've never spoken of the pirates as being world conquerors. They're just hit and run, like you said, Trav. Yeah. So they did this. They're going to lock it down. They did their business, and they're now going to, you know, put us maybe a small group of guys revolving set of patrols there. And you're now on the fringe path, and you have to go and get Hot Simi Base back. So, what are you going to do? Where, where, where are you going to go to do it, knowing that you're, you're up against a military force now?
1: I think the only way you can know this is that another team goes through before you do, and you, you, you talk to the survivors.
2: I'm assuming that there's going to be some teams out on the fringe paths who weren't there when it happened.
4: Right, and they come back and they find out, wait a minute, why are we getting shot at by these people? And the fringe pirates might even dress up in IDET uniforms, snag some, or ASA uniforms to make it look like, okay, you know, we're, we're guarding this and then all of a sudden turn on them and try to blow them away. Uh-huh. But then these IDET teams are going, okay, why are, are people shooting at us? We've been compromised. Right. fall back to the alt platform at the very least.
3: Let's say for sake of argument, you're getting ready to start a campaign or you're getting ready to move your campaign into this direction. So for sake of argument... You set the adventure up or you set this campaign up and you say, hey, you get word that, you know, French pirates have taken over the earth and now you've got to take it back. What are you going to do? We're going to assume that we've sent some scouts through or, uh, you know, a team went back and they saw two guards standing outside of the gate. There was a firefight and let's say they won and they managed to grab one of these guys and interrogate him to find out what the heck was going on. So, So now we know. We know a little something. So so, what do we do? I mean, where do you know your your team is? Like, hey, there's you know there's six of us. Uh, we can either leave Earth and abandon it. We've talked about that, or we can take it back. So, and this is the direction we're going to go now is taking it back. So I'm thinking, you know, I like the Golden Horde. They're close. They're happy to take any technology we can give them. We need them,
2: and they're militaristic.
3: And they're very militaristic. And these are some some bad mofos.
1: But you also want some heavy firepower, so you also want to talk to Victorians. Well, hold on,
3: one at a time, one at a time. I'm thinking we go to the Golden Horde and we convince them to help us. And I don't know at what point how much we've been trading with them because they're really close. They're negative zero one or zero zero one, so they're they're right next door. So have we been trading
2: with them for a while? I would assume that if you did this, you you decide to do this scenario, you wouldn't want to do it unless you've been out there for a while making contacts, setting up these relationships. Because otherwise, it's like, okay, well, in another five or ten years, maybe we can mount an an offense back and take Earth back. So we've been trading with them for a while. and.
3: They obviously have guns by now. They, they, they probably have some modern weapons by now because that's what they're going to want to trade for.
1: We made contact with most of the races in the book in the first two or three years, I think.
4: Negative, negative one has their prime is the Erders and negative one comma three is the Golden Horde. Negative two comma eight is the Romana Universa. Let's send in some Roman legions, one of the greatest fighting forces in history.
1: Well, you send what you get, which may be a bunch of bunch of uh, farmers and what it, it, the thing that you get off of Earth Prime, and I hate to say that.
2: Yeah, but the difference is, is that both the Golden Horde and the Romana Uversa are perfectly happy to conscript whatever fringe worthy they have. And use it if you're if you're willing to make the deal sweet enough for them.
4: Yes, they're going to sit there and say, Okay, you're you're fringe-worthy? Guess what? You were a farmer? No, you're a soldier now. We're going to train you in combat.
2: Right. They'll put you through collateral school.
4: They're drinking from the fire hose. Oh yeah, they're going to be given weapons, armor, training, because if they're the Roma, Especially the Roma. Well, no, the Golden Horde too. We need warriors- we know that it's a dangerous place out there. We don't know what to expect. We're going to make sure that these guys can handle themselves. And the Romans, of course, as I said, greatest one of the greatest fighting forces ever. The Mongolians, they are just, like Blake said, bad mofos. I mean, they're acrobatic. They're swords. They're trackers. They're survivalists. They have to survive out on the, the Mongolian steppes, which is not a very hospitable climate.
3: Hold on, Trav, and they took over about half the planet.
4: Yeah, but each of them took over their, you know, their known world at the time. So, yeah, both of these forces, when they're put against the wall, it, there's nothing worse than fighting an enemy whose back is against the wall who has nothing left to lose.
3: Right. And and let's let's also talk about the fact that, that when these pirates came through and they were prepared to deal with, you know, earth earth people, they're dealing with modern technology and stuff, you know, these cats are coming through and they know how to use swords, they know how to you know, they they can fall back on their, their ancient technology. So if they hit them with some kind of techno zapping whammy, you know, these guys are like, All right, well I'll just beat your head in with the gun. Oh. You know, they they're perfectly happy to do that.
4: And another ally at negative three three. The Taziel.
3: Yes, I was going to go there next.
4: Let's get a honked off seven foot tall lizard man with swords and bows after you.
1: Remember, we, we posited that potentially the entire royal court of the Tazeel may be fringe worthy. That you know, to become a priest, you have to be, be, be fringe worthy. They may have already concentrated all their fringe worthy there, so you have a small fighting force right there, ready, waiting, ready to go. <sighs>
2: I'm of a mixed mind with the zeal, yeah. for two reasons. One is, is that these are this is a very honorable race, and I'm going to channel a friend of mine who is a big history buff of of Britain. He's British himself, and he says that you don't send in people who are honorable to to win back uh, something that you really care about. You send in the guys who will do whatever it takes. Oh yeah, and so the zeal may not be the best choice for that. On the other hand. Since they have a life debt, an honor debt to I-debt. Yeah. That is going to provide them with a willingness to do whatever it takes. However, that might be burning the bridge at that point. Yeah, it may bring the debt's been taken care of. We may no longer have the zeal to count
1: on after that.
4: Okay, well let's see. Negative five prime is the air thigh, the Norlanders.
1: Yeah, sure, it makes a too.
4: Yeah, that's right. They're I mean, they're having to deal with, you know, survival and uh, let's see. The Norlanders are fast becoming a supply house for IDA. There you go. At least we have a stockpile. You know, we can. You know, we've managed to stockpile some stuff. Okay, we have some weapons.
1: So the pirates come and they raid, and then they head on out, and they say they're so hitting down the positive track. Who's next on their raid? The Victorians. If, which way did the pirates come from? Because whichever way they came from, you're probably not going to find any allies.
2: As you know, because you know what's in the Fringe Bible, some of the things we haven't mentioned, they could come from any direction, John.
1: Yeah. That's true, yeah. For sake of argument, if people don't want to actually use those things right now in their campaign, right? they, they came down from one way to the other. So which, whichever way they came from, they either dealt with or they did the same thing too our allies so if they came from the negative toward earth prime then you you can't even count on the orders any of those folks they've been neutralized i don't understand why they're gonna stop every portal to see
2: what's there why would they do that they're coming to take out earth they're not coming to hit every portal john
4: in and out like a duck mating means stealth they're not gonna sit there and do the one man band they're gonna sneak by the alternate platforms and not even go in the portals. If they know where Earth Prime is, they've got their objective.
1: Don't hit anything else. But they also know that we have allies. At the very least, go down there and just close the portals. Well, they could do that. Start closing portals so that people can't get out. And they can always come back later and deal with them. In fact, that's what they do after that. After they come and take care of Earth Prime, they go back, and now they're going to deal with the folks they they closed out and deal with those folks. So you're going to have those pirates within a few nodes of Earth Prime, still operating, busy making life hell for whoever is out there at that point.
2: I'm not going to disagree with you, John. I mean, I think that shutting down other portals like that, especially if they've taken some time to find out who we know, it would be a good idea.
4: Oh, they're going to infiltrate people into other cultures, yeah. They're going to have people, because there are people of other cultures who have become fringe pirates. There may be Victorians, there may be all these other races, that there are just some fringe-worthy out there that just say, you know what, I don't want to go through this constrictive bureaucracy. I found the perfect escape route. I found the perfect way to make myself wealthy. They may be fringe pirates from the allied worlds who will gladly give information because they don't like eye debt. They find them too constrictive.
1: Yeah. So finding allies we can then go back and use, it'll be kind of difficult, especially if they've been neutralized by the pirates ahead of time. Or they're being neutralized right now, after the fact. Right, so if that happens, John, that just basically puts a longer
2: time. You have to do one of two things. Either you have to find Schmert and say, Schmert, would you please unlock these portals for us? In which case he would probably say, yeah, no problem. Uh, Or you have to find a crystal that will allow you to unlock the portals. So it's really more of a time delay than anything else, John.
1: Yes, that's true. Why
2: don't we just go past that and say that if they got locked, they got unlocked. And so we still have to do the same job, which is to go out and and get back Earth Prime. The Victorians, from what you've said to us, John, because you're the guy who knows the most about Victorians... They're keeping their portal a secret. Only a few people even know about it.
1: As far as I know,
2: they don't even have a crystal for the purpose of going and finding more Fringeworthy.
1: They have crystals. Remember, that actually was part of the initial story. You wrote that. The the, the little guy with the crystal gave gave it to both Cosgrove and the Viscount but
2: they didn't know it was a crystal. It was just something that he had as part of his, his tribal baubles. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Okay, so the point is is that are they going to start scouring their world to find more fringe-worthy to put into the service of Idet and getting back Earth Prime? That's the question. These various races... Are they going to be willing to put themselves on the line for us? Because we're going to need an army. We're going to need at least more than, the, than one or two small teams of Fringery Explorers in order to get Earth Prime back no matter what we try to do. question is not who's
1: available, but who's willing to put themselves behind us. Well, there's also the problem that the Victorians may look and say, Oh, IDET's gone. Bad show. Let's see how we do this thing right then and basically don't, they don't even consider rescuing Earth Prime. Exactly. That's my point. Would
2: the Victorians even care enough about IDET to say, hey, let's go try to fight off these French pirates, or would they just go and armor up their own platform on this
1: sort of thing and then just say, okay, we're done? The fly in the ointment is that the, the Victorians or the Erders or the Petra Mono may decide and say, well, Earth Prime's gone, and they've been trying to tell us to do things. You know what? Good riddance. Right. That's why I'm saying that
2: I think that the Golden Horde, and I agree with Peter on this, the Golden Horde and the Romana Universa, those are two choices, I think, and and, and very possibly the Trezon. I mean, if that's what it takes, you know, if it takes burning our relationship with the Trezon in order to get Earth back, I can't imagine the IDET personnel not being willing to make that sacrifice. Do you think the Dimixi would be willing to get behind Earth?
4: The Dimixi... We know them as mainly the construction experts. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that they have an army. And just the scare factor of a five to six foot tall centaur, uh, a toric-bodied spider coming after you would probably scare a lot of people. But you'd have to sweeten the deal. I mean, for these races to do this, I mean, yeah, in order, you know, they're all in the iDead Alien Corps. Yeah, they would say, okay, we have a trade and technology agreement and all this, and, you know, we'll help you guys out. Earth Prime would have to say, okay, if you help us, we'll give you this once we get the Earth back.
2: What do you think they would give them, Trav?
4: It would have to be, like, technology, medicine. Earth Prime may have to really give up something they don't want to in order to get the help that they need, because it's like, we have to make this offer where they are willing to risk their people's lives to help us get our world back. You know, it could be anything from, I don't know, mining rights to, as I said, higher than normal technology. Well, well,
3: wait a minute. That's pretty mercenary thinking. You know, that's not necessarily the case. Like, for example, there are countries that will jump in and help out another country just because it's the right thing to do or, or because their people are suffering. There is the possibility. I mean, Demixi are – the way they're written, they're they're a lot like us and they have the same technology level as us. I mean there is that chance. They might just help us out just to be good guys and, and just to, to foster a really good relationship with us in the future. I mean we're not asking them to to go through and take on some ginormous army. Like we already said, it's not going to be more than 1,000 and they've probably already left most of their guys. So it's it's a matter of just retaking – you know, retaking the portal station back and, and, and getting things back on track. So, you know, they might be willing to uh, to give us a hand. Now, I do understand before anybody says this, because I do understand they would have to send their fringe-worthy, which is their most valuable people, and any of their fringe worthy that get killed, sure, that's a big loss. So I mean there is that to factor in.
1: Actually I just had a thought, I was just looking through the portals and so forth, and I realized, oh, wait a second. You have a bunch of hostile, angry French parts on the pine platform waiting to shoot anything comes on through. I come through with a herd of blizzniz. Oh, blizzniz, that's it. <laughs>
0: Yo-ho-ho! does nobody actually say that?
1: And they come in and bliss them out. Oh, yeah! Right. Is that going to happen fast enough? Well, if the blizzniz are, fa- are running fast enough at the time, I hope so. <laughs> uh,
4: let's see, a 613-foot-wide platform, I don't remember how wide the field is for the blizznes, the pirates might cut them down. And blizznas are generally not combatant. They're going to be like, wait a minute, we're going to go into a hail of fire? I don't know about that.
1: Are you crazy? And you wanna do it
0: <laughs> I am
4: a- not jumping on the bad wagon to make <laughs> oh, stupid voices. I was he was here. because he throwing the key gag voice just for the hell of it?
2: <laughs> oh, we're getting to them in the middle or late campaign.
4: We pretty much realize the Demixie they do it because they're a lot like us. The Golden Horde and the Romana Universa, oh, they're doing it for glory. Because they know we helped Earth Prime. They owe us now. The Tazeel, it might burn off the life debt, but I doubt that they're just going to stop relations afterward. They're just going to realize we're not beholden to them. We are equals now. We got them their world back. We're not honor bound to help them we're going to help them because we want to not because we have to after this the dizil i doubt they're just not going to burn their bridges no
2: i think that'd be great you know and one of the things we have to offer them that's probably more useful to these worlds than anything else is the fact that they're all alternate earth's therefore we may not at this point have given them a complete mapping of all of the mineral deposits that are known to have ever been on Earth.
4: Oh, yes. It's like, oh, by the way, there's a mine there. Oh, and a mine there, too. Oh, look, and there's some natural resources over here. Yeah. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of data that we may not have offered them yet. We could say, hey, you get us back to Earth, we will get you those maps and all those data points, and then you can really start developing your own
3: world. Think of the Golden Horde. You You give them one gift. You say, there's this mountain in Africa. Just go check it out. Tell me what you find. If you like what you find, come back. We'll give you more if you give us a hand.
1: The Kimberlite p- uh, pikes down in South Africa. That is a lot of work in mining to do, but still, yeah.
4: Yeah, but if you tell them what's there, they'll do the work. If they realize, okay, yeah, it's here, yeah, we'll do a couple years of backbreaking work for that reward.
2: You mean the peasants will?
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah.
3: Remember you're not telling them you're telling the leader. You tell the leader, "Look, hey, I'm going to tell you where this huge diamond deposit is. Send a couple men down, go check it out and tell me what you find, you know." And and what you're talking about, John, where that the uh, diamond deposit is, there were diamonds just laying out on the ground. So these guys would they would find them quickly be like, "Oh my god, these guys know what they're talking about."
0: I mean, guys? Don't late. you speak girls? Yeah. Because guys will kind of look at it and say, ooh, sparkly girls will be mine!
3: <laughs> I'm just saying, you tell them, I happen to know where a few handy gold mines are that are really high yield. You get us search back, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you exactly where to find those. Oh, uh, San
1: Francisco? Yep, yeah, mm-hmm, exactly.
4: I was just thinking Gold Rush area, yep, exactly. Yukon? Armadres,
1: yep. Don't forget elsewhere in the world, too. Depending on when you contact these people, there's probably mines in Europe and Asia. They have not been discovered yet, and hey, there they are.
3: And, and don't forget the other black gold. You know, you could always tell them about the East Coast anthracite mine. That's a resource that people always
1: forget about.
4: Oh, coal mines. Oh, God, yes. Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, the Mongols don't need to worry about that because they already had coal. The coal there in Mongolia... It was actually near the surface. It was all nice, hard uh, anthracite. This is another source.
4: Yeah, see, this would be my great-grandfather, so my dad's dad's dad. He was a company store owner, you know, for you know the coal mining company towns in south-central Pennsylvania. So, yeah, there's plenty of coal there. All they'd have to do is say, yeah, this area here, travel your ships there, or we will get you there, you know, one way or another— And check this out. You will have coal. You will have a source to, you know, heat your homes and fire up, you know, weapons of destruction if you need be. Here you go. Boom. Check it out.
3: That coal mine you're talking about, that that area, is the largest deposit of anthracite in the world, as far as they know.
4: And there's still coal mines there today. I mean, granted, the company went under... And the municipalities around it incorporated that area. But yeah, the, the mines are still there.
3: Oh, there's a ton of them. Isn't one of those on fire too? Yeah, there is one that's on fire.
2: Yeah. It probably will be for like another hundred years. Never going to stop until it runs out of coal. And it's got a lot of
1: coal there. Look at the business, There actually is no range in how far the calming effect is, so...
4: I would still think 600 feet, if they're coming from one portal and the Fringe Pirates have their patrol set up at the other end of the portal to give them a wide field of shooting, that's 613 feet. I don't think that the calming field would be that wide. I think at the most, at maximum,
2: 100 feet. It's not a stupefaction field, it's a calming field. They're still going to pull the trigger on their weapons on you guys.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think the blizzness, just because they're generally peaceful, are going to go running into what everyone with a brain is going to know as a combat zone.
1: It's designed to, to protect them from predators. Right. Animal predators. Instead of following you, to use their coming feel on you to convince you that it's a bad idea. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, man, just go over here and
2: smoke this purple weed. Yeah.
3: <laughs> hey, man, chill out. It's just Earth.
4: I think we can say that if we sit there and give these various other fringe races maps to natural resources, yeah, here's this, this, this on your world. Check it out, and if it pans out, get your armies together. We're going to take, pl- take our world back. Pretty safe to say that they're going to all say yeah once they
2: check it out. There's a couple other things that can be used that I thought were interesting, looking at the negative six to positive six. If you actually had to take back the Earth or if you wanted to maybe soften them up before you went and hit the platform, just because they're there doesn't mean that you can't pose as yourself as a trader, a fringe traveler who's going hither and yon. Well, let's say you showed up there and you had this nice purple block of food that's made out of purple weed. And purple weed is at negative five, alt four, and it has destroyed a number of worlds on that alternate platform. It provides complete nutrition. You eat this stuff... You're good. It's like soil and green. It's fully nutritious. However, it's mildly hallucinogenic. It causes apathy and sterility. The sterility is not a big issue because they're not going to be there that long. But you could get these guys hooked on this stuff. And they're sitting there smoking or they're eating it. And they're feeling all nice and mellow and stuff like that. And that would give you the edge when you decide to suddenly jump them. Yeah.
0: Hey, what's mine say? Dude. What's mine say? Sweet! What's mine say? Dude! What's mine say?
2: It probably would be just as effective as the calming field by the blizzards without putting those sweet little uh, double-trunked animals in danger. So this has got to be a special level hell for people who do something like that, you got Yeah, I
4: know, yeah.
0: <laughs> the special kind or the special kind?
1: If there was no one that on the alt platform, they're just on the prime platform, I'd make a stop at the hunting lodge and pick up a brace of raptors uh, just for fun. Uh. Well, that is another
2: possibility. There are a lot of places out there that have aggressive animals that you could try to use as yeah. softening type. If I could pull it off, looking for, like, large herd animals and, like, you know, run a stampede down the French Mass or something like that, but I didn't really see that.
4: (laughs) And I'm reminded of the line from Blazing Saddles. What's your crime? Stampeding cattle. What's wrong with that? Through the Vatican? Kinky! Sign here, please. (laughs) Right. Well, that that reminds
3: me of uh, a strategy that that uh, somebody told me that they they did one time. They they were playing Dungeons and Dragons and they they were looking through the, um, the I believe it's the player's guide where you can buy animals and and they saw that goats were really cheap and they had a whole bunch of gold, so they bought like. 200 goats and they just ran them down into the dungeon so the monsters ate all the goats and were completely full they were stuffed so when the party went down there none of the monsters wanted to attack them because they were completely full (laughs) but (laughs) let's get back to the the whole purpose of this the idea is that you're going to have the party do this so it's going to be a party adventure this is going to be some kind of like at least several adventures a a short campaign or or maybe even a long campaign depending on how long you want to do it is this something that the character is going to be directly engaged in? This is going to be something you're going to want them going through the portal and fighting for it and help take it, help take these back. Am I correct?
2: When you finally go to fight, take the portal back, the players are going to want to be there. Right. They're going to want to be a big part of it.
3: You want to think of it in those terms. So the pirates, have, they've hit and run. There's there's only so many left behind. It's, it's a small enough force that if you get some allies and stuff, you can take them out. For that matter, you you could have them... Really, put a hurting on Earth uh, population wise with like the plague, like you said, and then they don't really even, they barely stick around. Uh, you might have to take out a couple of them, but you know, taking Earth back might mean rebuilding Earth. That might, that might be where we're going, you know, as, as one of the options is that you're not just taking it back, you're actually getting it back on its feet. Maybe that's like a big part of the campaign. You may want to go to these other places not for soldiers but for supplies and, and, and medicine and you know, that sort of thing.
2: In that case I think you'd be relying more on the Demixie, except for the fact that the Demixie unless they're giving us veterinarian medicine, <laughs> their medicine wouldn't help us very much because they're not mammals. No, but talk about, talk about rebuilding. Yeah, but rebuilding, they would definitely be the people to get. Oh, with their construction yeah. techniques, yes. Now, there's still a couple more interesting possibilities here we haven't checked into. One is, is that negative alt one is a Martian Earth, where the Martians came in 1936, the War of the Worlds broadcast, and they've conquered the Earth. Humans are now like third-class citizens, but they still exist. And there's a possibility of getting yourself some pretty sweet technology off of that kind of a place and maybe some advanced stuff maybe you could find some fringe worthy martians to help you out never do that again i say was that supposed to be marvin the martian john
1: never again no marvin the martian at last at last Ah. you're closer isn't that
2: delightful
1: That's the German version of him. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's the Luftwaffe (laughs) version of the Martian attack fleet.
4: That would be the Iron Sky version. Yes. Remember this thing about
0: the very beginning where we said that you guys have balls and I don't? This is the whole me not getting on that bandwagon. I'm not doing it. All right.
1: All right. Yeah, you can get some great merchant tech, you know, and it, it may have to wait 10 minutes before you can use it, though, when you get off the platform. Well, that's
2: always a possibility, but I'm saying... Uh, but your best bet for doing rebuilding is actually going to be plus four alt two because it says it's set in the year 2130. It's a progressive society, which means they're going to be all about rising health care and standard of living, and they would be probably the best people to provide some really good high-tech support for rebuilding Earth, possibly even better than it was before. You could definitely work something out. And they would be willing to provide a lot of support to rebuild Earth. And even possibly providing some high-tech supplies like modern armor, modern weaponry. They're not super tech, but they're certainly advanced tech. They're a hundred years ahead of us. They would certainly have some stuff that would, you know, be useful. And the pirates are always Unless they're bringing in some Commonwealth tech that works on the fringe path, they're always going to be limited to just what is normally the low-end-ish tech that we have. Their best defense is what we talked about, Trav, with that whole thing with you know, the wires through the portal so the system thinks that they're in transit and will protect them. But two could play at that game.
1: I mean, the thing is, do the players get the clue this works or not? First time through, you're being shot at by the portals. The portals don't miss. You won't survive that. During
4: the early campaign, yeah, you're probably not going to survive that.
2: But hopefully it'll be the red shirts that make
1: that mistake, and you come through in the second wave. There's the team medic who didn't shoot. He was able to get back. They fired out their, their mates, and the portal shot back at them. They got vaporized. I just got there with the skin in my teeth. I don't know what's going on. They, they got the portal shooting at people.
2: Right. They're going to have to deal with it. That's probably going to be their biggest challenge is to figure out a way of attacking them that's not going to cause the system to defend against it.
1: If the penny drops and they realize how to do it, they'll, they'll, they'll just pull the same trick Then They'll get a nice long cable and get behind a nice big iron plate and let them shoot, shoot at me. Or both sides shoot and both sides get destroyed. Or the, the pirates recognize a tactic and go, oh, they figured it out. And now you're in a waiting game to see whose cable runs out first.
2: Yeah. You're saying you're going to have a fringe Mexican standoff?
1: Yeah. <laughs> There's one more
2: that I wanted to put forward, and this is going beyond my 60s way, and that was negative 7, alt 5, it's a magical Earth. You could possibly bring that magic over to Earth
1: Prime.
0: What, like fairies? Are we talking like folklore magic, or are we talking the practical application of an assumed magic?
1: We're talking D&D magic. We're talking about wizards. We're talking about fireballs.
2: <laughs> right. So somebody goes and races over there, goes through, lays down some fireball, summons up a monster, brings them through. And a second edition fireball just means
1: it covers the entire platform when you're outdoors.
2: Maybe, maybe. There is magic, which means that you might be able to have some stuff working for you. When we talked about magic and operating on a world like Earth Prime where magic is not allowed, I don't think we were able to cast magic spells there. However, if you had summoned a creature, like a fire elemental, it had like 18 hours to survive because the system wouldn't protect it with a reality bubble.
1: I'd find a dragon. Bring him on through.
2: The problem with dragons is they're intelligent, which means there's not going to be very many of them that are fringe-worthy, unless they're all fringe-worthy.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: And if they're not intelligent, you got to train them.
4: Yeah, that's a frightening thought. An intelligent, fringe-worthy race of dragons.
2: I'm sure there's some out there. The, the trick is, you just need to find a wish. I wish all dragons in this world are fringe-worthy. Okay, we're done. Well, there's a lot of possibilities on a magic world.
4: All right, Pip, real quick, it's a negative 7-5 magical earth, a 1920s earth where magic is used in day-to-day life. Not great magic, but little magic. Greater magical forces exist and balance in this universe. Which platform? Negative 7, comma 5, the, on the alt platform of uh, negative 7.
1: Oh, and, and folks, just because we have a, a platform, but it puts worlds in very specific places... Take it with a grain of salt. You can put them wherever you want to. If you've already been to negative seven and have something totally different there, then it's something totally different there. We're just referring to what's in the, the portal books for reference.
2: Yeah. So we have the purple weed for some kind of a, a softening hallucinogenic, uh, kind of like what the British did with opium, with the Chinese and, and other places. We've got the Zemixie that would provide some rebuilding technology and, and modern technology. We've got the people who are willing to back us up, the Roma Universa and the Golden Horde, possibly some interesting high-tech devices or even bio-weapons on uh, Martian Earth, the Trazon who will basically go to the mat for us. Even within Plus Six and My Six, even though there, there's not a whole lot of worlds out there in the existing fringe paths to come to our aid, I think there's still quite a bit there that could probably manage to beat off a fringe pirate peacekeeping team. So I think this is doable.
1: Yeah. The main goal is to make sure none of the pirates jump off the platform. Because the one who will jump off is probably the one with a the key They got to unlock the portals. So you don't want him to let him jump off. Or if he does jump off, go after him. And hopefully you can get back. If this one pirate has the key to unlock the portals, and he figures you don't have one, he'll jump off and he'll just go sailing for the edge and hopefully transit to wherever they transit to when you hit the edge of the bubble, so to speak. Are you talking
2: about the vacuum and everything? Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would he jump and go up instead? I can jump up. I can jump all about two feet. No, you jump off the platform. You're in zero G. The air current's going to carry you up. If you do it carefully, by the time the whole thing is over I mean it could be hours before you have to worry
1: about landing yeah
2: well I mean it's not that hard to do you come off of it okay you get high enough using fanning motions and stuff like that if you're really experienced with this you get into inside the gravity well you start falling now you can basically skydive your way back down to the platform and past it you know to the other side or whatever you might want to do you could keep moving unless somebody comes up after you who has equivalent experience, you're probably going to be able to evade them pretty well. And of course, now if you lose, then you're kind of stuck. You could throw the crystal away, I suppose, and just say, okay, you got me. If you're doing it for safekeeping where you jump out there, you're holding the crystal, you're assuming your guys are going to win, and then you know they reel you back in eventually when they win, you don't have to take the almost certain chance of dying just float up where they can't see you anymore if they don't
1: notice you you can also just simply step on the other side of the platform
3: there's a whole other thing you could do you're talking about a pirate who knows how to use these crystals. you know these, these guys are experienced right i mean we've, we've come to that conclusion right. he literally just steps back through the portal and activates the time delay thing you step through he's gone by the time the time delay thing wears off you're already looking for him somewhere else and he just waltzes out oh there's all kinds of stuff he can do. I mean, if you know how to use those crystals and you've got a high enough level one, you can do some really amazing tricks.
2: Most of them only need a level four or better to do that stuff.
1: If you activate the mind transfer, you step through into into another person's body.
2: Yeah. Okay, that's a pretty high level ability there, John. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about relatively low level power here. I mean, they could always come through with the crystals and just start frying stuff too, so. <laughs> that's true, yeah. <laughs> those will work on the French pass. I think we've handled the
3: pirates pretty well. I mean, you can take it from here. We've given you enough information that you know. You just play out what we've given you. If your desire is for the players to eventually do this, you know, you will set it up so that they can. And if you're a real jerk of a of a of a game master, you know, you'll set it up so that they can't win. But uh, you know, the idea is is to set it up, make it hard, make them do some research, make them uh, use their diplomacy skills that they probably haven't been using, and cut deals and and use some strategy then bring out the big fight at the end of the the movie you know and let them they, they take it back and everybody's like wow that was really cool it was a lot of fun
2: one of the great benefits of this particular scenario is the fact that you're not going to be just going to one world you know i know that fringeworthy a lot of times you go through the portal you explore the world you do whatever there and you come back and you go to the next one and that's okay for a beginning campaign, but I'm just saying is that most people, to really tap the genius of Fringeworthy is the ability to go from world to world, all pulling the pieces together to, for a greater whole. And that's what you get
1: to do on this adventure. Yep, absolutely. So now you've dealt with the pirates. Now let's deal with something else. Your, a team comes back. They were, they've had an encounter with a strange creature. They're not quite sure what, but the, they're, they're wounded and so forth. And they go through a decon and so forth, and then one of them disappears. And pretty soon, weird events start happening on Earth, on Earth Prime, as though someone's busy trying to destroy it. Yes, you've got Mellor.
3: Right. And we can even work from the premise of uh, Bruce's adventure, where a team of Mellors posing as IDET members comes back, and they manage to do their deed. But... We'll have to save that for our next episode.
2: This is Bruce Sheffer saying, There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them.
1: This is John Ryer saying, Keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players.
0: This is Amber.
4: It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming it's for having fun.
0: Yo, brothers, this was the tri tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and, sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at tri tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.